Gracious Father, we once again want to thank you for this uh, beautiful and glorious morning, which is uh, something that you brought into existence. Uh, The world does not spin on its own axis by itself. Uh, It takes the Almighty God, the one who is the sustainer of life, to uh, continue to breathe life and existence into all things. And so, Father, as we look to you, uh, the one who is the giver of all truth, and as we continue to learn about the Spirit, uh, which has a vital role um, in our salvation, but also in living the Christian life uh, as the third person of the Godhead, Lord, we pray that you would teach us, that you would instill in our minds these truths so that they will transform uh, our thinking and our actions. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're going to uh, continue on in our sermon series in Ephesians chapter 1. This is part 15, Uh, and I promise you there's only one more part in this section, and that'll be next Sunday, part 16, uh, as we take a look at God's sovereign plan of salvation. And today our text uh, is not going to actually be in Ephesians chapter 1 because we're going to uh, be transitioning, but uh, as you know, Uh, The premise for the last two Sundays, as well as this Sunday, uh, was taking a look at the Holy Spirit uh, as uh, the one who is the seal and the guarantee of our salvation, as we find out from Ephesians 1. But also as we take a look in this final section of our inheritance in Christ uh, and that blessing of salvation that is realized through the Spirit in verses 13 and 14. If you remember, uh, in uh, the previous couple of Sundays, just by way of review, uh, we took a look at uh, some aspects of the Spirit's work in salvation, the first being that of regenerating or regeneration. Uh, And that is uh, the regeneration, by definition, is spiritual rebirth. Uh, And you remember I I gave you a a vivid uh, example from uh, the, the Old Testament in relation to this work of regeneration, Because apart from the Spirit, no one can believe or trust in God. Uh, The Spirit is the one that begins that work because uh, as we uh, looked uh, in the Old Testament, we found that uh, it it is God who takes out the heart of stone and uh, replaces it. uh, Because he removes it out and he puts a heart of flesh, one that can receive and accept spiritual things. Uh, which comes in line with what we are, have spoken to in the book of Ephesians, that uh, we are all dead in our trespasses and sins. So we're spiritually dead apart from God coming in and uh, providing through the Spirit a spiritual rebirth. Um, there's not just a redecorating. There's not just a new coat of paint to make our heart look better spiritually. Uh, it needs to be removed uh, and be replaced with a, a heart that can... Uh, receive spiritual things. Then the second thing we took a look at was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that, by definition, biblically, is that of the Holy Spirit taking up permanent residence in believers. Uh, And we looked at a couple different passages uh, where we uh, realized that our bodies are uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit. That at the moment of salvation, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up permanent residence which is something different than what we saw, uh, what we see in the Old Testament examples where the Spirit came upon people uh, in order to accomplish and do things uh, of a spiritual nature. Something that we receive under the new covenant in Christ's blood uh, is something beautiful because the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, 
the Spirit who is God resides in every believer. He takes up permanent residence. Uh, you can't kick him out uh, because he is there as uh, a sign of that regeneration, but that indwelling, uh, which ultimately finds uh, uh, the work of baptizing, which is the third thing we, we looked into, where the Spirit makes us part of a, uh, a new body. We have a new identity in Christ. Um, it's not the same as what we were before Christ, uh, and you'll, you'll see some of that fleshed out today as we uh, take a look at the filling of the Holy Spirit and the sanctifying work of the Spirit. But this new believer, someone who has had that spiritual surgery take place, who has give, been given the gift of faith and trusted in Christ for salvation, is put into the body of Christ. Uh, and you cannot be removed from the body of Christ. You are a permanent part uh, and that is because you have been bought and paid for um, by the precious blood of Christ uh, when you trust in, in him as Savior. Which brought us to our fourth point last week, uh, which took an entire sermon to speak to, and that is the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, because the sealing of the Holy Spirit indicates God's ownership. Uh, for the example I just gave, that you have been bought and paid for. You are not your own. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Uh, and so the Spirit, in taking up permanent residence in uh, believers while we're here on earth, uh, also you know, puts us into that body of Christ, but also is the seal, God's stamp. Remember, we used the example of the hot wax uh, seal of the Spirit on our lives, indicating God's ownership, but also the permanence that the Spirit uh, is our seal until the day of redemption. Uh, so that means all the way until the end. Uh, and that's why Jesus could make a promise and a claim that I am with you all the way until the end of the age. Uh, you know, uh, we have the Spirit of God indwelling us uh, and baptizing us and sealing us. And so today we're going to transition from the work of the Spirit in salvation, which is the first part of what we looked at, those four different uh, works, that of regenerating, indwelling, baptizing, and sealing to two aspects that we're going to look at today that are the work of the Holy Spirit in the Christian's life. So there's a transition here, and this is important for you to see uh, because otherwise you are going to take today's uh, uh, works or attributes of the Spirit and superimpose them into your salvation. And you can't do that because they are distinct, they are separate, and you're going to find out very quickly that they are commands to us. Uh, and so, uh, without further ado, uh, we're going to take a, a, a journey this morning. I hope your fingers are ready to move through the New Testament scriptures, because I'm going to be taking you to quite a few texts this morning, um, as we begin and look at the filling of the Holy Spirit. And again, this is a work of the Holy Spirit in the Christian's life. See, we are commanded scripturally to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, we sung about some of that you know, this morning as we talked about walking uh, in Him. Uh, we talked about the Spirit being our guide in the song before that. Uh, and the thing is, is that uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit is each individual believer giving themselves over to the Spirit's control. Um, and this is different from what happens in relation to salvation, because salvation is a done deal, uh, because it's God's from beginning to end. Now, the, the walking, the, the practical living out of your Christian life, 
that is something that you, as a, an individual, need to take and focus upon to yield those things which you know you should not do scripturally, to be filled with the Spirit instead of being filled with your own selfish desires, or to allow um, something to come into your life that causes you to stumble and fall. And so this is very practical. So it is a command to you. So this shows that this work of the Holy Spirit in filling is something that you have the ability to, uh, to feed into. But know this, that if you're not filled in the Spirit, if you're not walking with the Spirit, it in no way has an effect on your salvation. It's in your walking and communing with Him on a daily basis. Because remember, the Spirit regenerates and dwells, baptizes, and seals. That's salvation, complete package. And nothing's going to break that. Nothing's going to change that as we looked at Romans last week. Uh, it's a, an unbreakable chain of events uh, in the believer's life uh, all the way until uh, future glory takes place. Uh, but filling of the Spirit or walking with the Spirit uh, is something that you have the ability to, unfortunately, not do. Uh, and it's to your detriment in your walk and your communion with God each and every day, but does not affect your salvation in any way, shape, or form. You need to understand that. Um, now, there is a, uh, an aspect, as we take a look at this, that if your life is characterized by a continual fulfilling of the, the sinful flesh, then you need to step back and say, well, have I truly put my faith and trust in Christ? Okay, because someone who has been bought and paid for and sealed by the Spirit, you know, you may be able to make some wrong decisions here and there uh, and everywhere, uh, but it is not something that the Spirit is going to allow you to continue to do for very long. And I can speak from experience, and I, I often joke about it, but it's, it's, it's a reality is that, you know, the Spirit will use the, the spiritual two-by-four to the side of your head. Or he'll do heart surgery on that flesh heart that you have in there to say, no, you need to stop doing that. You need to, to see who you are because you are a new creation. You know, and you cannot undo that new creation. There's nothing that you can say or do that is going to void that purchase price, that, that judicial transaction that has taken place in Christ. So let me give you four things um, as we think about the filling of the Holy Spirit that being filled with the Spirit does. Uh, and the first we will take us actually to the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 5. Uh, because being filled with the Spirit helps a believer to walk wisely. Listen as I read verses 15 and following. Paul says there, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So here we see this example of the Spirit. When we are filled with the Spirit, when we are walking in the Spirit, we are wise and not unwise. Because there's nothing that the Spirit is going to do in and in, in through a believer that is unwise, because the Spirit is God. 
He is holy. He is righteous. He is just. He is loving. He is merciful. He is gracious. All the attributes of God as the Godhead belong to the Spirit because he is God. And so that Spirit within a believer and that Spirit working through a believer as that Spirit walks with him, as you just got done singing, has a profound effect because what the Spirit is doing is, is, is changing your desires as you walk with him. What the Spirit is doing is revealing the word to you, uh, what the will of God is for you. And the reason why we should look carefully how we walk is that we are not free from sin. We are no longer a slave to it, but we can choose, like I said, to our you know uh, disadvantage or in regret to not walk with God. At a moment of weakness, we can give in to temptation, uh, and we can still sin because we uh, still struggle with sin. We are not free of sin until we stand in the presence of God forever when we receive that glorified body and sin is no more. And so this is a choice that each and every believer has, is are you going to walk in the spirit or are you going to walk in the flesh? There's no gray area. The scriptures speak to what walking in the spirit looks like, what it's characterized by, and we'll look at that in a few moments. Uh, and the question is, is which one are you going to do? Listen to what George Sweeting, who was a former president of Moody Bible Institute, said. He says, we are to be filled with the Spirit now. And it is a continuous action verb. It could be translated, be being filled with the Spirit. We must be filled daily, constantly, moment by moment. Yesterday's blessings are not sufficient for today or tomorrow. See, that's how it is to walk in the Spirit. It is a constant moment by moment, thought by thought. You know, the Scripture speaks a lot about what we are to do as believers in Christ, that we are to keep every thought captive. Because the thing is, what happens when your thoughts wander? When your eyes see things that they're not supposed to see and all of a sudden images and uh, courses of action uh, that, we, you know, the sin nature still wants to participate in. Because there's still a spiritual battle going on there, not for salvation, because again, that's a complete package, but in communing with God each and every day, each and every moment, every thought by thought, every word by word, every action by action. And that's what uh, Dr. Sweeting was saying there. Yesterday's blessings are not sufficient for today or tomorrow because you don't cease walking in the Spirit. It's a battle each and every day. And I had a pastor friend of mine that was my mentor growing up uh, in my earlier uh, college years, and he always asked me the difficult question. He says, are you winning the battle of the trenches? Because that's what the, the Christian life is each and every day. It's a battle. It's a spiritual battle for you to commune and to walk in the Spirit and to enjoy all the blessings, to be, as it says here, carefully looking how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, uh, because there's benefit in it. And we need to walk in the Spirit each and every day, not to secure our salvation, because the Spirit does that, because salvation belongs to God. It's His work. But walking with the Spirit and having unhindered communion with Him is another story altogether. 
And I struggle with it, and you struggle with it. It's a battle each and every day, moment by moment. So being filled with the Spirit helps a believer to walk wisely. Second, it enables a believer to fully display the fruit of the Spirit. Because something else that happens when you are indwelt by the Spirit, when you are baptized into the body of Christ, you are given uh, a a new uh, aspect that the Spirit brings into your life. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Because this is what characterizes the Spirit. And this is what the Spirit, when we are walking with Him, is going to you know, pour forth into our lives and what we think and what we say and what we do so that others are going to notice a difference. And it's very, very clear. And Paul, in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, you know, uh, you know, lays it out for us. It's very simple. But it doesn't mean it's easy. So listen to what it says in verse 16 and following. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not, and I repeat, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you're walking in the Spirit, because the Spirit is the one who indwells believers, he is there as the seal until the day of redemption. When you walk with him, then, you know, the thoughts of God, which are holy and pure and right, the will of God, the Spirit is going to, you know, impress upon you. So that you won't gratify the desires of the sinful flesh because the Spirit's going to show you and tell you what the truth is in relation to everything around you. He isn't going to, you know, uh, give you an excuse to say, well, just everyone's doing it. It's okay. Just, you know, try to do your very best. No, that's not how the Spirit operates. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. That's the battle. You choosing to sin butts heads with the spirit. Because it's a battle, not for salvation, but for walking with God to to be able to enjoy the blessings of God and have the spirit do a great and mighty work in you. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Well, what is the law? The law is what shows us that we are guilty before a holy God. That's why Jesus didn't abolish the law. That's why he fulfilled the law. And so the thing is, is if the law is having to judge us, then that means that we are not walking by the Spirit. And the, the, the law is still there as that schoolmaster. And see, the law is the Word of God. It's the truth. And the Spirit will use it to draw you back in. Verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are ev- evident. And this is a long list. Some of them are probably going to make you feel uncomfortable. Some of them you're going to identify with. But the, Paul wanting us to know what the works of the flesh are, contrary to what the works of the Spirit are, is for us to see as believers in Christ, if we are participating in the actions of the following things, then you need to step back and you need to realize that there's something that you are missing out on because you're not doing what you're commanded to do, and that is walk with the Spirit. So what are the uh, works of the flesh? Sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things 
like these. See, those are all the things that used to define you. That's all the things that you used to live for. Now, you may not have done some of the things on that list, but just know this. One of those things on that list, you're guilty before a holy God. That's why you need a Savior. That's why you can't save yourself. Because from that moment forward, you're always pulling from a polluted well, from a polluted uh, you know, set of morals and actions. And so that's why you need a Savior to save you out of those things. But the truth being, you can still participate in those things in rebellion against God, even as a believer in Christ. Because your focus is not where it needs to be because you're quenching the Holy Spirit and instead living for the moment. Another reason why, you know, we should be filled with the Spirit daily, constantly, and moment by moment. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because the world is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Because all those things, you know, disqualify them from being in the presence of a holy God. That's why we need salvation. And I love the connecting word, but, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, this should define you. This is what you should be living for, is the fruit of the Spirit, you know, coming through you as you live. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, it's been crucified. It's dead because you're no longer a slave to it. But the problem is, is that you are still living the Christian life. And you can still live the Christian life in your own power. I'm not going to share any examples, but know this, that there's times, you know, in my past that I have operated in the power of my sinful flesh and had to confess that sin to God, not for salvation, but to be made right with him in my fellowship with him. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So being filled with the Spirit not only helps a believer to walk wisely, it enables a believer to fully display that fruit because the Spirit of the living God is in you. So that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. is all things that are going to work out through you when you are surrendering your will to the will of God. So that the Spirit will work and do that great work in us, continuing to make us holy as God is holy. And you sung about that this morning as well. Third, uh, being filled with the Spirit gives a believer the boldness to speak the truth. And this is important, and I actually taught Olympians on Friday night, and we actually talked a little bit about this in relation to Paul as he was training Timothy, and as he wrote Second Timothy to him, uh, talking about the fact that he was not ashamed of Jesus Christ, and he was willing to suffer for Jesus Christ. And see, something that the Spirit does, and know this, you know, the Bible says that the world's going to hate every believer in Jesus Christ. You can look in our country right now, and there's a lot of people that hate Christians. But guess what? That's supposed to happen. Because if you're living in the Spirit, and you're all those things that are a fruit of the Spirit, 
then you're going to make every unbeliever that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ uncomfortable in their existence. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want the truth to speak anything into their lives because that means that there is something they need to change that is outside of their control. Acts chapter 4, verses 8 and following says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, and notice this, this is Peter, who we know is the disciple that sometimes puts his foot in his mouth, but also in the power of the Spirit can say things that the people can step back from and say, wow, and you'll see that at the end of this text, because it astounded the people that listened. Listen to what he said, and he said this, not of his own doing, but being filled with the Spirit. Rulers of the peoples, or yeah, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. See, that's what happens when someone becomes a new creation. And when the spirit of the living God is working in and through, there are things that you are able to do that you could not do, that you didn't even really have the desire to do apart from Christ and apart from the Holy Spirit working in you. For Peter to speak boldly like this, to accuse them, of crucifying Jesus Christ. Crucifying the very Messiah they were looking for, but because they loved themselves more than they loved God, because they had a a stone hard, rock hard heart. They couldn't even see. But even though they rejected Jesus, them being the builders, Jesus Christ became the cornerstone because there's salvation in no one else. No other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So being filled with the Spirit gives a believer the boldness to speak the truth. And fourth, being filled with the Spirit gives a believer the ability to perceive God's work in other people. So in other words, you can see as the Spirit is you know, working in and through you, and as the truth of the Word of God is permeating every corner of your life, He will be able to help you see when something does not add up, something that is not right, to be able to identify false teachers, but also to identify things that uh, God is doing in other people. And in Acts also, uh, chapter 11, uh, after a great number of people had believed in the church in Antioch, uh, they sent Barnabas to check it out. And, And listen to what it says in verses 23 and 24. When he, and that's uh, Barnabas, came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. 
See, the thing is, something that the Spirit does when he uses the truth in a believer's life, that truth transforms. It helps someone that maybe has been deceived into believing, you know, that a certain, you know, uh, set of um, faith practices that they had done in, in a church that did not honor the Word of God, to be able to step back and say, wait, this is not right. The Word of God says this, so why are we doing this? You know, the Spirit can give, you know, wisdom when we walk with Him, but also give it, us the ability to see God working in other people and to give God the glory for that. So that is being filled with the Spirit. It's giving oneself over to the Spirit's control. It is a work of the Holy Spirit, not in salvation, but in the Christian's life. The second aspect I want to look at this morning is that of sanctifying. And we did speak to this um, back a, a few months ago when we talked about uh, the sanctifying work. Uh, and we're going to take a look at how the Spirit is actually three different things uh, for us in relation to sanctifying. Because, as you remember, I talked about there being a sanctifying work that happens at the moment of salvation where we are delivered from the power of sin to the enslavement to sin. We're no longer slaves. Those chains have been broken. Uh, but there's also a sanctifying work that happens ongoing in the Christian life uh, where we are becoming more Christ-like. And that is the Spirit doing that work, and we'll speak to that in a minute. And then looking toward glorification, you know, where God finally removes sin and transforms our lowly body into a glorious body like his. So let's look at that becoming more Christ-like because this is where the Spirit also does a few things in our lives as believers. The first is the Spirit as our guide. And we sung about that uh, this morning uh, in our song. Uh, and in relation to sanctifying or becoming more Christ-like, we are commanded to walk in and be led by the Spirit. Because the Spirit can be our guide. Because the Spirit will show us spiritual things that we cannot see, uh, that we weren't ready for. Things that he will teach us uh, as the teacher uh, and also enable us. And we'll take a look at all three of those aspects. But notice there in, in Acts chapter 13, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Menaean, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, so notice they're doing things that are characteristic of believers. They're worshiping God and they're, they're fasting, setting apart time to worship God even more deeply. It says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. So what the Spirit can do is he can guide us in the places we should go. You know, and, you know, this coming week is Veterans Day, and I can stand before you and tell you that there was a time 
where I went down to a recruiter in, in downtown Baltimore to an Air Force recruiter and was going to go Air Force ROTC because I really wanted to fly planes, something awful. And the thing is, is that I had blown to God at that point, but what I had not done is I had not prayed about that decision. I pretty much made that decision on my own. I was still going to church. I was still reading my Bible, but the thing was is I was, you know, superimposing my will over what God had for me. I really wanted to go into the military, uh, but God said, no, I've got a different plan for you. So unbeknownst to me, and the base commander still said, I don't know what happened. I can't explain it. Uh, but first thing that came into my mind is, is that, you know what? I was trying to do this apart from God's guidance. And who knew that I would be in full-time ministry for the rest of my life up until this day? Um, I'm not quitting, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Um, but the thing is, the Spirit guided me through all of that. And you know what? Being in ministry has had its ups and downs. It's had its challenges. Uh, but the Spirit has always been by my side. And as I walk in Him and are led by Him, He will continue to guide me to where I need to go. And I think that was God's movement in bringing me here to Ellington Baptist Church. I thought I was going to be in Alaska forever because I loved Alaska. 17 years there. But God shut the door there and opened up a door wide open here. And I'm glad we're here because the Spirit guided us as well. So the Spirit as our guide in that sanctifying work of becoming more Christ-like, but also the Spirit as our teacher. Two passages in the Gospel of John, one in John 14, verses 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you, all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Uh, chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So one of the other aspects in this sanctifying work of us becoming more Christ-like is that the Spirit becomes our teacher. So he takes the word of truth, which is the word of God, and he takes and, and, and teaches us in it. Now, there are scriptures that I've read over, I've studied, I have memorized. And one of the things that, you know, continually uh, blesses me, but also in the same token, you know, just you, you step back and wonder is that God can continue to teach you in scriptures that you have known and have memorized and have meditated upon and teach you something that you weren't ready for when you first did those things. Because the Word of God is living and active. It can continue to teach us. You're not going to get all of this in your head and say, I know everything there is to know. Guess what? The Spirit's going to show you things you didn't know, show you how the Bible you know, interconnects, how there, that even though there may be differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that they're all cohesive because it's all the one same God who does not change, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the Spirit can teach you, and you'll notice it says he will teach you in all things and bring to uh, your remembrance what I have said. 
Uh, and the other interesting thing is he says he doesn't speak of his own authority, but he, uh, what he hears, he will speak. So within the Godhead, we have the role of the Spirit as the one who sanctifies, who helps us to become more Christ-like because he teaches us in all truth, isn't just teaching us something that is solely separate to the Holy Spirit. Because what the Spirit knows is truth, the Son knows is truth, the Father knows is truth. Because there is only one truth, and that's God's. And so as he teaches, he is showing us, you know, things that are, you know, yet to come. You know, there's, there's prophecies in this book that have not been fulfilled. But you know what? They will. Because I know the God who is the author of this book, because he is the one who always tells me the truth, never leads me astray, never gives something that is confusing. He helps me to see that which is wise as opposed to that which is unwise. Because the days are truly evil. Because there are people that do not love God, but instead love themselves. And third, the Spirit as our enabler comes out of the book of Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 12. It says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Okay, so we're not debtors to the flesh. The flesh is what we were part of. The flesh is what defined us, the desires of the sinful flesh. But see, we're a new creation. You know, those things that are, are the works that are evident that we looked at in Galatians chapter 5 no longer define you. But instead, it says, for if, in verse 13, you live according to the flesh, you will die. The wages of sin is death. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. So again, the Spirit is guiding you in all truth. He is the one who is the guide, the teacher, and the enabler who can give you the ability to honor God, not only in your thoughts, but your words and your deeds. He can be that guard, you know, where you go, as the scripture talks about, the fortress that you go into, where no man can get into, because it is a spiritual realm. Well, the spirit can do those things. But we know scripturally that if you live according to the flesh, if you do those things and those works of the sinful flesh, no matter how good you think you are, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. See, it doesn't make sense. But in God's power, it does. See, the thing is, is that we're dead to those things, and now we, we live, even in this life, according to those things which are of the Spirit. You know, not of our own desires, but of the Spirit's desires when we do as we are commanded to do, to walk in and be led by the Spirit. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The truth is, is that if you live spirit-led and walk in the spirit in the world in which we live, 
you will suffer for Christ. You will be made fun of. You will be ridiculed because that represents everything that is true and right and holy and just. Not tainted by man's will, but guarded by the eternal God of all. And so you are going to make the world feel uncomfortable. They don't want to know the truth. And I've used this scripture many times. The natural man sees, does not see spiritual things because to him they are foolishness. That's why there is that persecution. That is why, you know, as we look at the global you know, view of Christians everywhere, there are Christians dying because they refuse to recant their faith in Christ. Being beheaded, you know, being killed in all different fashions, being burned alive. Those things happen. That's why we need to be those that walk with the Spirit so that the Spirit can give us a boldness and a, uh, the ability to, to not look at the circumstances, but to keep our, our eyes and our focus on God, just like Stephen did when they were stoning him. Because the Scripture does not have a, a good outlook of what is yet to come. Men will be lovers of self rather than lovers of God, disobedient to parents. You know, those lists that are mentioned in the, in the New Testament, you know what? We're seeing them lived out in our culture today. So how should this inform our lives today? And I'm going to go to close with a quote from D.L. Moody. I guess this must have been Moody Sunday because D.L. Moody and I had George, Dr. George Sweeting, who was a president of Moody Bible Institute. But listen to what he says because I think this is very important. He says, I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition and the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying if we are still living for those things that we were freed from, if we're, we're allowing certain things to come in and tempt us and we're giving in to that temptation and those become, you know, more characteristic of, of how we live, if we fill our lives with those things that he mentions there, our hearts, you know, full of pride and selfishness and ambition, you know, anything that's contrary to God's law, then there's no room for the Spirit because we're living for self. That's why we need to surrender. That's why we need to walk in and be led by the Spirit. We need to be filled by Him, giving over control to Him. Because we're no longer the same individuals. And we should live differently in this world. And so will you heed the caution from D.L. Moody? Because the thing is, is if you give those things over to the Spirit, then guess what? The Spirit's going to take its place. Everything that you confess and you give over to God, that's why we can be more than overcomers. Because when we confess those things and we give them over to God, the Spirit takes place. He doesn't leave a void there. Just like when the, the stone heart is removed, God doesn't leave a void there. He puts a fleshly heart in there. The Spirit takes that place. And so the more that we give up the things of this world, the more that we become selfless, the more God will fill our hearts and our minds 
in our being with the Holy Spirit, who is already there to begin with, so there's no, no travel time. There's no waiting. As soon as you confess, as soon as you give over, as soon as you surrender, the Spirit is right there and makes the change. He takes it over and removes it from us as far as the east is from the west so that we can walk with God and be with him and be prepared for the salvation that is going to have a future aspect yet. But the question is, are you walking with God today? You need to be. Because there's those that need to believe. Because the son hasn't returned yet. And when he returns, things are going to change. Gracious Father, we thank you for uh, the Holy Spirit. We thank you for all the things that we've learned over the last three weeks. If his work in relation to salvation and regenerating us and indwelling us and baptizing us and sealing us. But also this morning as we've taken a look at uh, two aspects, that of uh, filling and sanctifying, which have aspects in relation to our Christian walk. Uh, and so, Father, Lord, I pray that each one here today as a believer in Jesus Christ would crucify the sinful flesh, uh, that we would be characteristic of those who are full of the fruit of the Spirit, uh, that people would say, what do you have that I don't? Why are you different? Because there, there are those that you are preparing those that are waiting to, to hear the gospel good news, something that transformed my life many, many years ago and many of the lives of, of people here today. And so, Father, we ask that your spirit would rule and live and um, uh, just help us to walk as those who are wise because the days are truly evil. And we'll give you the honor and the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.